Hello everyone, welcome back for another episode. We're recording again from the meditation room because it's the most quiet room in this space and we are hoping that all of our electronics are working. Again, we're like, please give us any insight if you have any, if you have any ideas as to how to make the sound sound better, if you have any ideas for topics, although we have so many amazing people surrounding this space that um, the content is flowing. So today I have one of my most favorite people recording with me. Her name is Natalie Coy. She's one of my favorite yoga teachers here in New Orleans and actually like in the world. She's uh, beautiful and spiritual and just amazing at so many things. I mean, like, Natalie, you're so awesome. You're like talented in (laughs) dancing and singing and teaching yoga and being a spiritual practitioner in so many ways in the way that you live your life and so yay Natalie's here thank you (laughs) (laughs) so Natalie owns Shanti Yoga Shala which is actually I love new I love numbers so I like connecting I use numbers for synchronicities and and things and messages for my angels and so Raw Republic's address is 4528 Magazine Street and Shanti Yoga Shala is 3528 Magazine Street (laughs) <laughs> I cannot, I mean, to me, that's it so, it's just I beyond know. coincidence that that is the case. Oh, yeah. I love it so much. So anyway, we're exactly a thousand away from each other. <laughs> we can walk to one another's places and studios. We can go from yoga to juice and then yeah. back again. So uh, we have a really close relationship that actually just began like two to three years ago. Three years ago? Yeah, I know. It was just like I had heard so much about Sheena from so many different sources, but then like I finally like made my way in here one time when I was coming back from LA and had been on a on a juice like uh, you know, four or five weeks with just like nonstop juicing every day and shots. You're in LA. Yeah. Yes, in Los Angeles and then um I was like, Okay, finally I'm gonna go meet this Sheena and I walk in and you were here, which you're not here every mm-hmm. single day and it was like <laughs> An instant connection, like instant. That was amazing. And I remember and you saying that. And I juice with at Robert Public like weekly. I remember you saying that, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is like one of the only people here who knows what we're doing, like at that this level, mm-hmm. because they're seeing it like on coast, mm-hmm. the either coast, New York yeah. or LA. Like really, not very many people in the South do what we do." like we do it and I was so thankful for that because it's so it's so like you said such a rarity and especially at that time it was still like so much of a rarity so to have you guys here was just like a big blessing yeah okay so you have to give people thank you Natalie you're a blessing to me you know that um okay you have to tell people first where your accent comes from because they're gonna be like what am I hearing Okay, so um, I I, w- I was born in Brazil. My mother is Brazilian. My father is French. I moved away from Brazil when I was about five years old or maybe like five and a half, something like that, and um, lived in lots of different countries and then lived for a while as well in Paris, in France. Mm-hmm. So my accent, I believe, is a mix of uh, French, Brazilian, and mm-hmm. perhaps different things. I um, grew up traveling like that because of my family's um jobs okay so actually i thought it was all brazilian it's a blend i think it's a blend yeah (laughs) some people will hear the portuguese some people 
you know, like, oh, but what, what else, something else there too, so, yeah. And you speak three languages. I speak four languages. I lived in lots of uh, countries that speak uh, Spanish fluently. I lived in Mexico, Venezuela, so I learned, and my stepfather's from Argentina, so I learned Spanish since I was a kid in Portuguese, English, and French. (laughs) That's so awesome. You're so cultured. Thank you. <laughs> you started. You don't, you don't really think about those things when you're like just when growing up right. and doing it. It's not like I went to. I always say this is just kind of a, um, you know, I don't, I don't take credit for it because it's not like I went to French school and right. try to learn French or I just happen to know because yes. <laughs> I grew up like this. But okay, that's what you think. But in in actuality, what I think, looking at you and like living with yeah. you, experiencing so many things with you, you are so in tune with the direction that you need to be moving that you're able to move in those directions so much more quickly than most people. Mm-hmm. Like most people will be in a situation and they'll they'll think like, oh, it'd be really cool to go do that or live here or experience this or try this mode mm-hmm. of something. And they just will never do it because they will question, like, is it the right thing? Mm -hmm. Where I feel like knowing you, you're so in tune with yourself and and wanting to be so expressive, creative, and connected to you that your life has has brought you all these things because you've said yes. You've, like, taken action. Thank you. Whereas a lot of people have not. So you started, um, when you were 18, you started doing some creative things like that's how you kind of started no actually much earlier before that really Um, mm -hmm. my my mom used to take me to ballet classes classical ballet when I was like a kid like five six years old and I still have memories of that in pictures and everything so that at that time my love for dance began and I never stopped taking classes was always like my you know after school activity Mm -hmm. and then went on to eventually get a scholarship in dance for college and all that stuff. But that was that ballet yoga, too. For it college? was um, modern ballet. Wow. Yeah, ballet, modern ballet. Yeah. Wow, so, Natalie. It's exciting. I'm actually supposed to have a reunion with my dance company in August. That's so cool. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I, I danced for Euro Disney for a while, um, coming out of high school when I lived in Paris, I was a dancer for them. I danced for, uh, I went to dance school in France as well. So I uh, went to school for dance kinesiology and journalism, but the yoga part, um, I think thinking back, the yoga part really started when I was about nine, 10 years old, probably 10 really. Because, and I think because of all the moves that we had with my family, mm-hmm. um, you know, even though I was a child, I was already sort of looking for something that would ground me and mm-hmm. for something that, you know, moving like that so much, you know, we moved every three, four years, something like that. I, mean, I think we lived in Mexico for almost five, five years, but moving so much can, can be... Some kids do really, really well with it, and mm-hmm. some kids don't. I think I was somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. you know. I have brothers. They all dealt with it very differently. It, it can be very stressful for a child. So many changes, changing school, changing Absolutely. your friends. Change, right. Not only that, changing the language, mm-hmm. even though we always went to, um, you know, American school, schools in English so we could keep up with the program. 
but I needed something that I feel like I was like already kind of on a search for something else. Mm-hmm. And I was very lucky because one of my best friends in, in school, middle, how, what's that when you're like mm-hmm. nine, 10, middle, no, I, I don't know. Elementary, elementary for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyways, her name is Tassiana. She's still a friend of mine. And her mom um, was a yogi. Her mom was a devotee of Guru Mai. And she, um, you know, went with Guru Mai to her ashram in India and stayed there. And we were making trips back and forth. She had a little altar at her house. So there we were playing Barbie dolls and, you know, me hanging out with her all, all the time and her with me. And I saw all these red robes and white robes and her mom chanting Om Namah Shivaya and meditating. Wow. And I was, like, completely mesmerized. And even though she had you know, her daughter, and she had, um, my friend has two brothers, they were not attracted Mm -hmm. to it like Mm -hmm. that. It was like, but for me, it was like, I was just like, wow, you know? And I remember maybe seeing that for one year, and that's why I think I was probably around 10 when she first took me, because I said, I really want to go, and my mom said, okay, fine, take her. So I went to the the, the ashram, the Sita Yoga, it was Sita Yoga ashram, and I in was India? a kid. No, we were living in Mexico. Okay. And and that's when, you know, I, rem- I still remember sitting there, like, I think it was my first time, and, and they were chanting, you know, and they, they taught me how to chant, and there I was chanting for, like, an hour and a half. As and a then, 10-year-old? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And Natalie. then we practiced meditation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there I was sitting, and then they taught me about karma yoga and how I had to, we all helped at this place so mm-hmm. that it can be, you know, we can continue Everything, you know, do the Arseva, which is just to, so to nice. help contribute mm-hmm. service. And so um, that was a very significant time in my life because I completely emerged myself in that culture. I mean, I kept going, you know, and then when we moved from Mexico, we moved back to Rio for a, a few years and uh, I looked, I made my parents look for a Sita Yoga <laughs> ashram in mm-hmm. Rio. And it was not close to my house. Like, if anybody knows Brazil, we were living in, um, we were probably, yeah, São Conrado. That's where we lived. And this place is like in, was like in Botafogo Flamengo Beach. And, you know, it might still be there. The city. And so my mom had to drive me all the way How there. How far like is that? 50 minutes, an hour drive. Yeah. Wow. Know, with traffic, like 50 minutes or something. And then drive me back. And, um. And I was, you know, I really wanted that. I really mm-hmm. loved that. And then I, I met, I had, I met some friends there that I meditated with and that I chanted with, and they introduced me to. They, they said, well, you know what, you love veget. At that time, I became a vegetarian. And that time, I was probably like 13 years old, oh. you know. <laughs> and so then, um, my and I was, my mom had no idea how to cook vegetarian for me, so she was just like eat the french fries type yeah. of thing you <laughs> know have the rice <laughs> okay so uh i met some people and they said oh you love reg there uh every sunday the Hare krishna temple has something called prasadam and it's just it's free and you can come and eat and that was right by my house where we lived really close like 15 minutes so i went mm-hmm. with my friend marcel who's still friends with and my friend mark i met my my great friend martina who was huge influence for me with the yoga 
uh, she lived in the Hare Krishna temple. We're wow. still connecting. Mm-hmm. We're still connected. We talk on uh, Facebook, and she lives in Australia now. She was pretty much like a, a, a monk at the time. Now she's married and, you know, wow. has a, chi- a child. But anyway, so she really taught me a lot. She was a little bit older than me, and uh, I went to the Hare Krishna temple, loved the food, that's what I. That's what got me there. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, I can vegetarian eat vegetarian food outside here. of French fries." Yes, I can <laughs> eat everything here, and it's all good. And then we were, you know, it was a little different, but that was like also transportation-wise, which was closer. Mm-hmm. So I started going there a lot. I mean, there was a time I would go three, four times a week. I would go sometimes before school, and my school bus had to pick me up there. So what were you? Were- beginning to practice yoga or was this just uh, well, meditation this is yeah i mean you know it is all yoga although at that time it, there wasn't i mean for me i wasn't practicing yoga asana so okay. i wasn't practicing the physical part but we are certainly doing uh some uh, lots of meditation lots of chanting and prayers and and bead mala prayers mm-hmm. and we were uh, reading from the bhagavad-gita you know, and we were having all the seva, and we're, I mean, we were having lectures, and we were definitely digging into the It was every material. part of yoga, except every, for the movement. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it made kind of sense, because, well, A, yoga asana wasn't as popular back then. This is like, uh, almost like 20, like 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. about 30 years ago. So yoga asana wasn't that popular. There wasn't a lot of people teaching vinyasa flow or anything. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it existed. I didn't know about it. And what it makes sense that I, because I was a dancer and I was very committed to my dance and I wanted to, to teach dance and be a professional dancer. That's what I wanted. That's what I was pursuing. And mm-hmm. I had a very intense physical practice six days a week, you know. So this was, and I was also surfing at the time. So I was like surfing and doing yoga, not like yoga, so <laughs> dancing and going to the Hare Krishna um, temple and learning about the Bhagavad Gita, learning about the Vedanta philosophy, the Upanishads, getting taught all this stuff. And my friend Martina, who hopefully I'll send this to her too, because <laughs> I always say like she was really my first teacher. Uh, I had so many questions. What is this? What is incarnation? What is Kali? What is blah, blah, blah? And she would just sit with me on the beach and and tell me, you know, for two, three hours about all kinds of stuff. And I really am, am, am so lucky that I had, you know, such a... And, of course, my parents were a little bit freaking out because I had, I had at 14, 15 posters of Krishna in my room. <laughs> <laughs> posters of cows. And I was already like, my dream was to like go to India, you know? And my mom, and then they would walk in my room and there's these mantras. We had cassette players at the time. And I was like playing these mantras really oh loud. Oh my God. With these blue men on my walls. And my parents were like, what the hell is happening? Right. My dad went there one time. To and, make sure. Yes. Yeah. And talked to them. And it, you know, it's it was very uh, naive. Nothing, you know, no, no, no nothing crazy was going on there for sure um but yeah that that was amazing that was really my first introduction to yoga Mm -hmm. it wasn't until and I stayed with it you know for a while then I ended up after high finished high school there went to Paris right on my last year of high school and um graduated and went and then got a job as a dancer working for Disney danced for Disney for a while um 
had the amazing opportunity of meeting Michael Jackson there. Oh, my God. Um, you know, had the amazing opportunity of meeting lots of people that I was um, very, that I loved and looked up to. Because, you know, to me, I know Michael was, uh, is, is an artist in many ways. But for me at that time, he, he was just literally like the best dancer in the world, you know? Right. <laughs> So, like, I met his dancers, I met him, had the opportunity to do little things with him at Disney, and that was, you know, I did a lot of the Disney shows. I was also Pluto, because I'm 5'7", <laughs> I'm so I get to be Pluto. Was that tall or short? Uh, well, Pluto, the, the way they put the characters at Disney is by height. Okay. So, Mickey is a little bit shorter than Pluto. Had I been a little bit taller, probably would have been goofy. But <laughs> so I got to hang out with Mickey a lot. So cute. <laughs> I loved it. In between the dances, we were the characters. So um, that was amazing. And, you know, it was around that time when I was about 20 that I had my first yoga asana class. And that then that that was like a whole different thing. And, and I think I did have a moment that I was like, whoa, wait a minute. This is what I've been I looking for. I can do this physical practice and is everything like that you've and, been searching for. Yeah, and, and that I already do. Like the meditation is there, the elements of it, the dharana, the drishti, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the breath, the pranayama. I mean, I was just blown away by how all of a sudden it just felt like everything connected. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, all of this work. And I, and I kept the dance and the yoga for, you know, a few more years until finally it was really, you know, both of them became very demanding in my life. I mean, dance was always very demanding in my life. And, uh, but I just kind of had to, I guess, didn't even have to, but organically this yoga teaching developed, you know. Where were you when you were um, doing the first teacher training? My first yoga class was a class with a certified Ashtanga teacher. Her name is Melanie Fowler. And she lives in New Orleans. That was your first class? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And I, I was a uh, I was I was in college on a scholarship with dance and the Here, woman in yeah, New Orleans. In New Orleans. Okay. And well in Hammond, my, my school. And the woman who introduced us, uh, who's also a yoga teacher, she told Melanie have this girl that's coming. She's a dancer. She just started doing, you know, just a couple. I think probably had been to, no, I hadn't even been to a class. I had just heard about this workshop. That's what, but she said she's a dancer. So it's probably very physically capable. And Melanie was like, okay, well, you know, in Ashtanga, it doesn't matter. They start you, you have to learn. It's very humbling. Mm-hmm. And so you just <laughs> learn like the first thing. And that's what you stay with in the beginning. But anyways, I came and, um, you know, I remember seeing Melanie and I was just like, oh, she's a yoga teacher, you know, and then took this class. And by the end of the three day workshop or four day that I spent with her, I was just blown away and I was mesmerized. I had um, when when I was doing the vinyasa and the movements with the Ashtanga, I almost felt like this natural high, mm-hmm. something that I had never felt before. And uh then Melanie became my yoga teacher. She wasn't living in New Orleans full time. She was actually, I don't know if she was living in Los Angeles or New York, but she was traveling back and forth. And every time she would be in town for workshops, I would take the opportunity to take classes with her. Mm-hmm. She had been to India. So I had a lot of questions to her about India. 
she suggested that one day I meet Patabi Joyce, and she also suggested we need to go to Mysore. Like, I'm sure a lot of Ashtanga people are suggested, but... Um, because Mysore is the... Yeah, Mysore is where Patabi Joyce is from, and his family. And in Mysore, there is the Ashtanga Yoga Research Institute. It's okay. a big school. Patabi Joyce is the creator of Ashtanga Yoga? Patabi Joyce is the... Um, the the founder of the Ashtanga Yoga Research Institute. He's one of um, the students of Krishna Marchaya, who is considered sort of like kind of the, the father uh, of modern day yoga. Krishna Marchaya taught many of the, the masters that we learn from nowadays, such as Patabi Joy's Iyengar, Desika Char. He also taught a woman named Indra Devi. He was, she was also a very big influence in yoga, among I'm sure others, too. So um, some of the biggest styles that we have now that, you know, Vini Yoga, Iyengar, Ashtanga, have all come somehow um, from the same place. teacher. Wow. And it's amazing. So him having been a disciple of Krishnamacharya, and then he stayed in Mysore and opened this which before was a little shallow, then like nine, ten people would practice, or I don't know how many actually, but very little. And then later on, you know, I think it was 2000 and something, he opened a much bigger space because the popularity of yoga has grown so much. Mm -hmm. I teach nowadays vinyasa flow. Uh, you know, I also teach smart flow and I teach vinyasa flow, but ashtanga is really the birth of all of the, the flow yoga practices. So, um, which is, vinyasa means movement linked to breath mm -hmm. and in other things too, because it's a very flowy practice, very breath, and that, um, nowadays there's many different variations, you know, power yoga, this or that, but I think the sun salutations A and Bs and the way that we move that really Patabi kind of set the ground for that for us. And I don't know, had it not been for people like him and also Iyengar, and, you know, maybe we wouldn't be where we are today mm -hmm. in modern world. But very long story short, the next maybe 10 years of my life, I spent going back and forth to India. And I spent a lot of time with Patabi in India. And I also uh, spent time with his grandson, Sharat, who continues to teach now. And... Um, you know, also join them on some of their world tours or things like that that they do, and they do, like, big classes. But I, I've I had four trips to Mysore, extensive trips staying there many times. So I, yeah, it's incredible. So I was very fortunate to all of us who have had the opportunity to study with the uh, Patabi, where we were all, whether it's one trip, two, three, four, it doesn't matter, ten, we're all very fortunate because the Shakti, which is the energy, can only be transmitted from teacher to teacher. Mm -hmm. So um, having spent that, you know, any time with someone like that, who it was a, really a true guru in, in my view, mm -hmm. um, is, is really a blessing. Because and, you were able to tap into the frequency and the vibration that someone who has facilitated, you know, that high energy practice and that um, spiritual component of serving mm -hmm. at the same time doing something that they're so passionate about. That reaching that level of frequency and vibration is seemingly unique in this world. So 
like when you're in the presence of someone like that, absolutely, like you say, you resonate and you can feel that that vibration and frequency is something that that feels good and something that is, is positive and elevating and inspiring. And so then you can start to recognize in other aspects of your life, oh, that's that frequency. That's that vibration. This is like the choice that I should make. This is like where I should go. This is, you know, like you just start, you re start resonating yeah. other aspects of your life with the, the, um, recognition of that vibration absolutely it's very well said Sheena the way you just explained it um you have such a great capacity to explain information <laughs> and I really, I really love that about you it's very Thank inspiring you, to be around Sheena <laughs> so anyways yes I think just to add what you're saying I don't I think it's rare that I teach a class that I don't feel the vibration and the energy and the connection of Patabi Joyce, mm -hmm. and I can still hear his voice in my head when I'm teaching, you know, <laughs> the count. I can still remember some of the little remarks he's told me about, whether it's from the asanas or breath or something, and it comes out through my teaching, and it's really like, it's, it definitely I, mean, I don't want to say this, but it's a way of like channeling it. Absolutely. You know? And, mm -hmm. um, and I definitely feel like I channel him. I also channel some of my other teachers that have been very influential. But, yeah, it definitely, it's not like he's not present. He's always present. Absolutely. And that's yeah. why, I mean, that's why myself and so many people are attracted to you as a teacher and your space. First of all, you, mm -hmm. like, place that intention in your space mm -hmm. of it being a healing temple, a transformational temple, a place that is grounded in the spiritual aspect of yoga and then when you take your class you see like the physical part you have down so well that because you're you're a master in this you've done so many different types of practices you, you've mastered the physical aspect but at the same time you marry that with the um the connection with the students and what everyone in in terms of the collective needs on an energetic level. So you provide that for the class. You provide a beautiful physical practice that is able to be, you know, transformed throughout the practice in relation to, like, a collective, here's the energy movement that we need to achieve. This is what the class needs, and it's because you're tapping in very clearly. Like, I wish that you could break down what like a practice for you like is like or what a teaching class for you is like yes. in terms of what is significant well in my space it's really significant for me that i'm going to try to kind of get a little visual of my i have an altar in my altar i have ganesha mm -hmm. who i've always been very attracted to ganesha is the remover of obstacles the god of new beginnings and so on and I have two pictures of Patabi because I, I get enormous strength from him. I always try to have fresh flowers. I have um, some little stones from rivers that I've done or like hikes and little things from my farm where I go to the farm a lot. Like I horse ride. So I have like things, I have elements from earth, places that I like and I bring it in. That's extremely grounding and also energizing for me mm -hmm. and uh in one of one of the one of the rooms on on the top of the ceiling i have this thing that an artist new orleans artist 
wrote, and it says, and it's a really high, probably like not a lot of people, I think people don't even ever see it. It's not, it's just there for me, and you know, if anybody sees it, great. But it says, Dieu voit tout. And that is um, a say, it's in French, and it means God sees everything. Oh, so amazing. it's amazing. And when I, before I walk in, you know, when I look at everybody that's in the room, I just kind of take a moment to just, you know, I look at everyone, really look. And then I just kind of take a deep breath, you know, and get very grounded and centered. I light a candle. I always teach a class with a candle at the altar. Um, I really believe that having the fresh flowers there and all that, it's, it's, you know, it's something that really kind of helps me energetically. Right. And um, because it's an offering, and then I am really just allowing myself to become a channel. Of service. Of service. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of my, one of the biggest influences in my life the past, let's say, two years that I've really been very in tune with is Marianne Williamson. Mm-hmm. She's one of my teachers, and she says, um, you are not the water, you are the faucet. So, you know, this is exactly what I think, and I've always had. And this is just, I just allow myself to, whatever it is that needs to come through me, to come through me. Mm -hmm. And what I need to do is be really present with the breath, and, you know, maybe I'll light a incense before class, something like that, then I'll turn it off, because some people have allergies and stuff, but... You know, I, and then just kind of, then once I come into the room, I said, hi, everyone. And I kind of try to feel also what's going on outside with the planet, with mm-hmm. the city, with the weather. Is it rainy? Is it hot? Is it cold? You know, is there anything stressful that just happened in the world? Is it not like, what is going on? So that little, maybe first five minutes, it's me just kind of getting into it. Mm-hmm. And then I might get everybody into something as simple as downward facing dog. And get them to fidget around and uh, look around or child's whatever it is. And that next little five minutes of movement yep. is going to tell Sorry. Probably <laughs> my mom again. No problem. <laughs> that next five little minutes of movement, I kind of am very good. I've gotten to a point now. I mean, I've been teaching for about 15 years, like very steady. Um, I've gotten to a point now that I can tell, you know, the level, like what kind of practitioners I have in the room. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, in vinyasa flow, flow yoga, that I, our studio is vinyasa, um, we get a lot of drop-in. So we get, you know, you have the very committed regular practitioner that comes two, three, f- five times a week or more. And then you have people who will drop in twice a month, you know, three times. Or then you have people who drop in once in three months, every three months. So you have all of that in the same room. So that little moment. Oh, mom. No problem. No problem. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Okay, that little <laughs> moment, it's, like, really important for me to um, to kind of access the, the physicality situation and also the energetic. And then within a matter of, I'd say, like, two, three minutes, because the whole process has to happen really fast, I'm able to figure out what kind of class I'm having that day. And I think so... So the first 10 minutes, it's probably me just kind of figuring out energy, what, like everything. How is that affecting them and, about, and, the, and then the, the people who are in the room? And then I can come up with a plan like that. But that's because I have been teaching for a long time. As a trainer, I always, uh, when I train, I do my teacher trainings, I always tell new teachers, don't do that. 
have a plan, <laughs> write the whole sequence, and mm-hmm. always come with a little, and you know, you can always change the plan. And sometimes I love make, creating sequ- yoga sequences. I love, that's one of my, my biggest loves, and I think it reminds me of choreographing dances, so there's that element. So I'll, you know, I'll set up coffee shops and I'll make all these sequences who, um, with a lot of influence from my teacher, who I is my beloved yoga teacher, Annie Carpenter, mm-hmm. who I have so much love and respect for and who really uh, post-India was the person I spent so much time with in Los Angeles. I lived in LA for a while, I think like seven years, and Annie was my mentor, is my mentor, my teacher. I'm smart flow certified, that's her yoga, I've gone through all her trainings, etc. So she is a queen, everybody who knows in the yoga world, she's the queen of getting us to create yoga sequences. So I'll sit on coffee shops for two, three hours and I'll create all these sequences. Do you sequences. have to practice like the movement of the sequences or you can see them in your head? I just see them in my mm-hmm. head, yeah. And then, you know, it's so fun to someday say, okay, here we go, we're going to do this whole class and the peak pose is going to be Natarajasana, which is dancing warrior. And how am I going to get them there? And how am I going to cool them down? And so I come with my plan. But, you know, there are days I can mm-hmm. do my plan. And there are days it's like, get it away. Forget about that. It ain't happening today. Right. <laughs> and there are days that you start your plan and then you have to change your plan mm-hmm. at some point. But it's really nice to kind of, you know, if you want, have that little. So for me, it's just fun to create sequences. So I love it, but I also can teach right from the spot. I can create a class and just seeing what I need, you know. (laughs) That's so awesome. I hope, I really hope, you guys, that everyone tuning in is starting to see that the people that I speak with and I'm so inspired by, like Natalie, you know, you just gave a beautiful overview of how you create a class that attracts, I mean, you you are so... um, you're so, you're, you're so attractive in so many ways. It's like, you. you just can't even describe it. Oh, like so you. many, I can't even explain like how many people are just, they will walk up to the studio and not even know why they will <laughs> find you because of your energy and not even know why. And, and so I really want you guys as listeners to just tune into the fact that like the people that inspire me and the people that continue to, um, do their craft really, really well, or to bring so much happiness and passion to the world are the people who, like Natalie, have training, of course, and um, a lot of experience, of course, but also that can show up to their practice with a plan of, you know, A through Z, and who can also say, after spending time creating that plan, this is not going to work today. And with no, with no qualms, you just move on and you create something that actually is probably better. And it's, it's, it's a metaphor for life in that if you, you know, you do what inspires you, you do the trainings and you take hold of the experiences and, um, you allow them to create something new, whether it's something defined or it's something that those experiences just connected you to a part of you that will allow you to create something that's totally unique and on the spot and channeled and yeah. inspired. And that is what you're right. It's a very, I never thought about it like that, but it's a very big metaphor for life. And I'd say have a plan and then also be flexible. Yes. You know, that, that comes into something which is 
the Swahistana chakra, mm -hmm. our second chakra, the element is water. And it's really like this fluidity that, you know, be grounded and be firm, but yet also, you know, know where you're going and all that, be prepared. But at the same time, it's really important to not be so black and white mm -hmm. and to allow, because life happens. You right. know, life happens, things happen, whatever that is. And so the this is just about allowing the water to, to flow and allow to be in the flow. That right. I love this thing of being in the flow, you know, and yes. just I see yoga as a healing art. I think yoga is great because it on a physical level of of course you can get more flexible you can get strength and flexibility among many other things you know it's great for your lymphatic system it's great for it's a stress reliever um on a uh, on a mental level it, you can focus more you can be steady i mean you can be more present more aware on a spiritual level it completely transforms you I mean, it is, it's just like a very transformational practice. Yoga is a healing, it's a, it's a body practice, but it's also a lot more than a body practice. For those of us who want to do the work, not mm -hmm. everybody wants, and that is okay. But Tabi would always say, next life for you, or you two lives for you, five months, <laughs> lifetimes for you. For <laughs> and you know, it's okay. It's all a choice to be in the flow and the transformation, whatever it is that each and every one is ready for whatever they are ready for. Mm -hmm. And when you make a decision of what you want, I believe the universe says, really? Oh, here it is. Yes. Here you go now. Mm -hmm. Take it. What yes. are you going to do with it? Yes. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Definitely. And it's like, a, it's like contra you're contracting with the universe. Mm -hmm. You're saying like, okay, I agree that for me to attain this, I agree for you to support me universe. So like a lot of times things will fall apart and people will say like, what the hell? I said, I wanted this, but like my career is over or my relationship is over or like I'm sad or I'm having to deal with all these things. And it's like, okay, exactly. Like in order for you to elevate, in order for you to grow, some things have to go away. Your soul loves that transformation. Yeah. Your ego doesn't. <laughs> right. Your ego and yourself are like, no, this and that. But your soul is like, yes, bring it. <laughs> yes. Newness, transformation, Newness. You need elevation. This. Had you not gone through this, this, this and that, you would not have met your soulmate. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. or you wouldn't be able to recognize him. Yes, you would not. And so it's so it's so important to understand the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about you, that you're so connected to. And, and I mean, I think another thing, and you know this too, meditation. I mean, I have to bring it up because yeah. it's the... I've dabbled, like I said, since I was a, a, a young girl with, you know, when I'd go to an ashram, but then I didn't have a daily meditation practice. You know, I, I haven't, I, I didn't have it lots of time. Well, I'd be in India. Oh, yes, in India, I do meditation. But then I come back to the United States, do it for the first month, and then it goes away. Mm -hmm. And I really kind of dabbled with it like that for many years. But about two years ago, it was one of my new, oh, though sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't like New Year's resolution. But then I'm like, I do like that, you know, because <laughs> that was one that really worked. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, that's going to be my New Year's. And I started it. 
in the past two years, I've been meditating, I'm not going to say on an average five times a week, if not more, but because it's, you know, I, I do meditate every day. Yes. Of course, there are days like I'm super late for a flight or something like that. Then, you know, it slips away. But for the most part, I'm really good about it. And uh, I love it. And my, my recommendation to everyone is meditate because meditation is the next level. Mine too. <laughs> it's the next level it's is you we need to sit in silence we need to breathe we need to be and we need to sit and if you can do it start your day like that in the morning wonderful if you can't do it before 12 and if you can't do it at some point but do it there's you know it's just amazing and there's so many uh meditation now it's becoming so accessible yes you know there's workshops everywhere you have meditation here in the space right. it's amazing I mean, there's a little app that I love. It's Headspace. Yes. You <laughs> I have, have meditation at the end of your yoga classes. Yeah, I have meditation in my yoga classes, even if it's like a little bit. Um, my yoga teacher trainings, I have a 200-hour and a 300-hour yoga training. Uh, we meditate almost every time that we meet, 20 minutes hands down mm -hmm. or more. And, uh, you know, I have all of them. I have everybody's a prerequisite that everybody downloads Headspace, and I put them on a little body system. They have a body and they have to check in on Headspace. You can add a body. And so they check in and they nudge each so other cute. and they have to do that. Yes. I mean, it's, it's non-negotiable. And that's the things. There are things in life. If you want to be in the flow and if you want to be connected, there are things in life that are non-negotiable. Meditation is one Meditation of them. Meditation is one of yes. them. Yes. Spending time alone and in nature is a non-negotiable. Yeah. For, non for someone who is able to contribute to the world, able to stand up for themselves and what they want and, and to actually know what they want. Because most people have so, I mean, like myself included, I grew up in New Orleans. I grew up in a, you know, very Italian family. Imagine the belief systems that I came in with. Imagine, wow. imagine, you know, I mean, and, and the belief systems relate to the way that we eat, the way that we talk to one another, the way that um, business works, all of these things. I came in with that, that system as a part of me. And so if I had not committed and, and I continued to commit to meditating and analyzing and, and bringing awareness to the way that I think and the way that I act, I would be, I would still be acting and, um, living like my family always has. And while there's some beauty and traditions in the past, for me, I know that my mission is greater. And so I can't tap into that with someone else's voice in my head. I, it has to be my voice and it has to be connected to my higher self of like what I'm supposed to be doing in this lifetime. And a lot of times people get confused. They're like, wait, do I want to do this? Or does my, do my parents want me to do this? Exactly. And so it boils down to everything we do every day. You can either connect to the light or you can disconnect. Mm -hmm. You have two choices. Either you connect or you disconnect. Mm -hmm. So what it's like, so what do you need to do to remain connected? So I ask you, for example, what do you do to stay connected? Me? Yes. Meditate. I bring awareness to my thoughts. I check in with my energy multiple times a day. Did, didn't you see on my phone yes. the other day? Yeah. So yes, I set I alarms it. on my phone to make sure that I'm vibrating at the frequency that I want to vibrate at. And many times it will catch me and, and 
so like I put affirmations on my alarm so that affirmation will come up and, and remind me like you are safe. You, um, it is safe to let go. Are how supported do you feel right now? You are, you are totally supported by the universe and so many beings. I'll set those as reminders. And there will be times when I just had a meeting with someone or someone just came into the juice bar and like kind of caught me off guard and took me on a 30 minute journey of, of where they are, what their energy is. And I was totally unprotecting my energy or what, you know, I really needed to do. And sometimes it will cause my vibration to fall. And if I don't have those reminders, if I'm not checking in through meditation and these alarms or just anything, some, I need reminders. Some people may not, Yeah. I need but if I'm not checking in, it can get away from me sometimes. And I'm not saying like everyone should be operating with alarms going off constantly. And like, you know, it should never be a stressful thing, but like the second that you make the decision to start being more aware, things will start to shift Yeah. because the first thing that you're supposed to work on will like be right there in your face. Like, Oh, you want awareness? Okay. Here's this, this pattern in your brain that you need to work on. And until you do, it will actually cause a lot of pain because it's, it's creating dissonance between your higher self and your physical self. So your physical self may be acting in a way that is not in alignment with your higher self and it will cause a lot of pain. And so that's the first place that people usually access. They're like, why am I so upset about this? Like the physical body is upset or sad or, um, anxious. And so that will be their first access point. I'll see this in the people that I coach and I'll say, well, okay, what's actually behind the anxiety? What are you anxious about? What is the scenario? What is the situation? How does your highest self want to handle the situation in a way that's different than you actually are handling it? Because the anxiety is feedback. Yes. It's information. So let's not numb the feedback. Right. Which is what we're really good at. Uh, look at it. Right. There is an amazing book that Marianne Williamson just released. It's called Tears and Triumph. And she talks I didn't know about, about this book. Yeah, she, it just came out. She talks about how it is, it's our human experience mm-hmm. to be sad or to be happy or to, you know, have anger or frustration or anxiety we have these emotions. We have. We also reminds me of the, the Disney and Pixar movie uh, Inside Out. I love that movie. I know, me too. <laughs> uh, being sad and being, you know, it's part of our human experience. Having anxiety, it's part of our. So you know, let's not neglect that, and also and embrace that. Embrace that it's okay. You know, and that maybe there is a message behind it, or the, maybe the message might be cry, cry for the next two, three days, yes. and then get up, and you know, it's a new, new day, and then try again, keep on going because there's lots of really great things in life. But yes, there's also things that are not good. Mm-hmm. This is this is part of being human, and you know, so just to want to look at. The happy, 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 it mm-hmm. doesn't work like that. Right. And if we do, then we're going to really be very frustrated mm-hmm. as human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, but to embrace the, the wholeness of our existence, then 
again, it brings awareness and presence. Yes. And with that, we can be okay and transform to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so awesome. That was a beautiful description of that. Thank you. And the practices, you know, are practices. The practice of yoga is not like, hey, I just got there. Check. Mm-hmm. Yoga. Done. No more. <laughs> Meditation. No more. Right. No, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's a, that's why it's called a practice. You know, many of my teachers have always told me that, and I'd say this to my students. And, you know, it's not, it's something that we're going to consistently while we're in this existence and hopefully even others, we're going to consistently be evolving. Right. You know, so always do your practices, whatever those are. Walk in nature if you love. Go surfing if you love. Meditate. Do yoga. Go rolling. Go mm-hmm. on your bike. Check in with yourself. Many times a day, put alarms if you need. Mm-hmm. Write on your journal. Connect yourself with other people that are like-minded mm-hmm. that will help you raise the vibration. Juice. Eat mm-hmm. alkaline foods. Mm-hmm. Have little a little reminders besides the altar could be like, for me, it's like having fresh flowers in my house. Yes. Or speaking of a reminder like that, I mean, this space that you created, it's so beautiful. Thank you. And anyone, if you can, come to the space because <laughs> it's just, you know, and don't you feel that being surrounded by this kind of vibration and environment that you created in the space and it's just the, the plants, the white, the, isn't it so uplifting? Absolutely. And it, I created it with that intention. So everything that you see is a reflection of that, of, of what my highest expression of what that means to me is. So, yeah, I mean, I love that people are recognizing that, but it really was set from How the beginning. Because did it come to you? Did you have a vision? Okay, so I mean, every like everything, it's That's a collective tell of everything. People something real quick, okay? Because this is important. <laughs> I sometimes, you know, she was talking about being a little disconnected, or like sometimes your energy. You know, it's normal during the day your energy fluctuates because mm-hmm. of the environment you're in, the foods, the people you're around, everything. So if I have like a little bit of like a lower energy, I walk in here and immediately I feel my my whole aura vibrating again, my energy goes up and mm-hmm. then you know of course it helps that i get the coconut water mm-hmm. or the green juice <laughs> and i'm like yay i'm in hawaii all yes. of a sudden <laughs> yes it's honestly natalie it's it's an attention to detail from a perspective of where what is happening with the energy so i don't like rules i don't like restrictions so Anyone who has said, okay, this is the way that you run a business, this is the way that you treat your employees, this is blah, 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 like none of that matters to me. The only thing that I'm able to operate on, the only thing that resonates with me is how is the energy? How am I, how am I actually placing intention in this sector to make sure that people are happy, that the energy is high, the vibration is good, and that people who are walking in are supported? Because at the end of the day, that's, that's what this business is for. It's to support people. It's to heal people. It's to elevate people. It's to help them transform, to be that comforting aspect that they need to go to the next level in whatever respect that means. And that's why, you know, the space was created so that, um, we could go beyond what is, what can be achieved by food. 
So a lot of transformation can happen through food and juicing and things like that. But there's an, a whole other aspect that I saw my clients needing support with. And so the space creates space for that to take place. And in order for it to actually be able to be accomplished, it had to be supported vibrationally. So I intended in every single room, in the walls, in the paint, in the, in the colors, in the, the people that were brought in, in every single interaction, I was mindful and yeah. continue to it's, be. You can tell. Thank you. It's beautiful. And, and you're a life coach, too. Yeah. So, so are you. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> in so um, many ways. Yeah, the, the teacher trainings that I teach are very transformational. Um, it's, it's really a journey that yeah. we take together. And, and this is because the, the, the yoga material, the yoga subject, the lineage, the, you know, the sutras, Patanjali sutras, the Vedanta philosophy, it's so empowering, so rich that it's like, wow, how can you not, you know, how can you not transform when you're... Inundated you know, you're going, you're really in the in the flow, doing the practice, doing your yoga side, and and being aware each and every day, and being remind, and also having the sangha. Sangha is community. Yes. In Sanskrit, there's a word. It's called sangha. It's very important to be with again like-minded people and to be exploring things together. It's actually a big element. Tanjali says you have to have sangha. You know, yes. don't not just reading by yourself in a cave. You, mm -hmm. you communicate with <laughs> others, and you grow with each and every one and that's that's beautiful it's and actually that's something that i've always noticed about you you can act you are able to manifest that community because many people i'm sure especially when you started shanti mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just like when i started raw both yeah. of us probably felt like we were alone in our missions yeah. and and i know because every time i come to shanti i mean there is a community that you've mm -hmm. created yeah, and that, that is the, the most beautiful. That's really what inspires me to wake up each and every day, you know, and, and I feel it's such a blessing, and it's just, it's just amazing to have our community, mm -hmm. you know. It's it amazing. Is. It's supportive. Shanti doesn't belong to me, and I, I always say this, and I, and I mean it. I'm not, like, trying to be cheesy or anything. It really doesn't. It belongs to each and every one of us. It belongs to the community, and and it feels that way. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of so sometimes I find myself ask, what what is going to happen here with the ceiling, or what's mm -hmm. going to happen with this? <laughs> and they tell you know, it's like it's almost like its own little thing. It's, it's its own, own little universe. Yeah, <laughs> it's its own. It really is. I mean, you have your students and your um, well, everyone's teachers your student. The teachers, they're the ones who yeah. are. Helping with the gardening yes. and the flowers and I know. anything. I know. It's so beautiful. How many times have I walked in in our little front porch and the flowers, like, all of a sudden I have, like, all these surprises. I'm like, what? Who brought this? <laughs> Who did that? I'm like, this is amazing. It's so beautiful. And I'm so grateful. Yes. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you, yourself included. Thank you. It's, yes. it's just such a blessing to to do what you love and to be reminded of it each and every day from the people that are around me. Yes. You know, I'm so lucky. And because we all see each other so much, some of them I've known them for years and they've known me for years, we all go through ups and downs. We all have 
you know, good days and bad days. And sometimes we're like, ah, and sometimes mm-hmm. like, that's just, again, it's just part of, you know, an understanding too, that sometimes people need a little more space. Sometimes they're more accessible. Like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all good. You know, yes. it's just normal. We're always together. It's totally normal. We're one, actually. Yeah. And we're all going through the same things. Like, yes. you know, everybody has things that they are. You know, we all have our shadows. That's a, I'm going to bring in another one of my big teachers because she's also quite amazing. It's Sean Korn, you know, and she, I've been very fortunate and lucky to have done some of her trainings. I also was very fortunate because I worked at Yoga Works when uh, the, most of the time that I, I think I worked there for like five years or something like and Yoga Works is this big, was in Los Angeles, I worked on, I looked at a few of them, but mainly the uh, Santa Monica, Montana, and Main Street, and Westwood, and then we have, had one in uh, Center for Yoga as well, in Hollywood. Yoga Works was the studio that a lot of the teachers that I got influences from work there as well, mm-hmm. such as Shiva Rea. Max Schwarm and, you know, Eric Schiffman, and then they moved to Exhale, and to Annie Carpenter, and um, Sean Korn worked there as well. So I was very lucky because I, get to, I got to know these people. In a time when I worked there, I had no idea how much of an influence they would be in my life or even that, that they were an influence in our planet, yes. you know. And now, um, since then, you know, I've traveled and moved away. I'm like, Wow. Here I was in this mecca yes. of the yoga, and we all some at some point worked in the same studio. We had an amazing, mm-hmm. um, all of us were very blessed. The yoga works originally belonged to uh, Chuck Miller and Mati Israti. Mati is one of my teachers as well. I, mean, I haven't been, I spent some time with her, not as much as with Annie, but... You know, Mati and Annie are very good friends. Two years ago, we went to this amazing yoga retreat in Nicaragua. Mati and Annie taught it together. Oh, my God. It's, that's another thing. It's so amazing to be able to be a student. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. I feel so blessed to have amazing teachers in my life. Um, and I tell that to all my trainings and the new teachers, to never stop being a student. Mm-hmm. Never stop right. inquiring about everything that you're never, interested you in. Know, never stop studying. Never stop going to workshops or tune into somebody online. Like I do Marion's live screen every every uh, week. I think it's every Wednesday now. So, or connecting with people like minded, like me with you. Mm-hmm. When you're in New Orleans, it's, it's such an amazing thing having you in New Orleans for me. I feel the same vibration that I do with all these other people. It's just, I could not do what I do had I not had, had, do I not have these women in my life? Supporting. Amazing forces that are supportive and that I look up to and that are mentors. And, you know, and when the going gets tough, they, they, they help me even just by looking or tuning into a training or whatever. I'm uplifted again. Tuning in is the key word because many people may feel alone or many people may feel that they don't have a supportive element they don't have a tribe or they don't have these inspiring influences in their life and tuning in I love that you use that word because it's a key word that can actually be utilized in exactly its meaning so 
even though you may not have access to, you know, someone like me or, or Natalie or Sean Korn or Marianne Williamson, which actually the accessibility is great, you can actually be in meditation and tune into these people's vibration, tune into their work and tune into their um, teachings and access them. You can access anything that you need through meditation. And the universe. The universe, the collective. And, and Mother Earth. Yes. I mean, that's... One of the most supportive elements. Oh my God. We live in this beautiful planet. We live in this beautiful Earth. And um, every day, now I feel so many people are, you know, genuinely concerned and wanting to make it a better place. But also, every day we do also damage it. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to to see that the earth has this enormous capacity and enormous healing energy. Yes. And not only heals itself organically, but it also heals us. You know, when, when, when we're meditating, if you can just tune in, close your eyes and, and breathe and, and imagine the birds flying. Imagine the oceans, the waves, or the forest, whatever it is that you like, or just simply the earth, and breathe and feel that vibration connecting from your root chakra all the way up. You don't even have to know the chakra, but just feel that breath coming in and up and down. It's going to re-energize our whole existence. It's, it's amazing. That is the perfect thought and piece of inspiration to end our podcast. Sounds amazing. That was so beautiful, Natalie. And thank you for um, having me. Thank you. I love thank you. I love you. <laughs> We're <laughs> hugging. Thank <laughs> you, everyone. Again, this is Natalie Croy, um, owner of Yoga Shant Shanti Yoga Shala, down the street from us. You can find her on Instagram or Facebook. What's a good Instagram handle or Facebook handle Natalie for people to Cora, find you? N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E-C-R-O-I-S. And uh, I teach yoga retreats as well. Yes. If somebody doesn't live in New Orleans, maybe you can come to one of my retreats. Definitely. Um, and teacher trainings. So tune in to Natalie. I always say your last name wrong. I say Croy. You say Cra, <laughs> like a beautiful Natalie Brazilian. Um, French. Yes. Tune in to Natalie on Instagram. She's amazing, inspiring, and beautiful, as you guys, I'm sure, Thank have heard you. this time. She have an amazing you are day. amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Thank you for doing it. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you.